to Dear Patriarchy Podcast. I'm Jennifer. I'm Lisa. And we are here on a day when probably both of us would like to have skipped it. Can I say one thing about today, which is actually like a super, for me anyway, it's kind of a significant day. I was going to wait for you to say yes, but I'm not going to wait. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I didn't want to, I didn't want to cut you off if you're about I to say know. something really like compelling. Sorry. So I just was waiting. <laughs> so this, it's the 21st of February today. And that is John Lewis's birthday. Um, mm. And it is also the day that Malcolm X was murdered at the Audubon Theater. Wow. Um, yeah, crazy. 56 years ago. I have to say, I know it's a super off piece, but Malcolm X and, the, and his autobiography, which is actually, it says it's written by Alex Haley, but Malcolm X sat down with Alex Haley, who obviously wrote Roots. Mm-hmm. Um, and Alex Haley hadn't written Roots yet. And he sat down with Malcolm X over a long period of time. And Malcolm would speak to Alex about things that happened in his life and tell him stories about himself as a child. And that autobiography, I read it for the first time when I was either 14 or 15. And that book was so life-changing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it meant so much to me. It still means so much to me. I have the original copy that I had when I was 15. And it is such a precious book to me. The story of Malcolm X's life and the reach of his activism and of his intelligence and his will is such a beautiful thing. And it got so twisted. It got so twisted and so, he was so denigrated. He was so demonized. Well, of course. And yet he was such a beautiful, powerful, loving man who loved his people so much and was so angry at how they had been treated. And that anger was treated as... That he was a dangerous person. Even right. Martin Luther King really kept his space from him because he was so angry, and Martin Luther King Jr. really wanted to be associated with nonviolence and finding that. Whereas Malcolm X was like, by any means necessary. Anyway, was Martin Luther King really that anti-violent? I don't think he was. Okay, so when we talk about, like, I think he's the, been painted that way with the Montgomery boycott, bus boycott. Mm-hmm. That was something that propelled him into the limelight really uh-huh. the way that he was involved in that and what was what was so compelling about that boycott I mean other than the fact that like Rosa Parks was not the first woman who got arrested for not giving up her seat there was um Claudette Colvin there was Mary Louise Smith who actually posted about on Instagram this morning there were a lot of women young women who refused to give their seats up because it wasn't right. And that was actually found to be in violation of the 14th Amendment. So someone like Gloria Richardson, who we've also posted about because she was a badass bitch. You've probably seen the mm-hmm. picture of her pushing the the rifle oh my God, away from her face. <laughs> because and she's just so badass. Face, I know. She's like, oh, she's got no fuck She's like, left. fuck off. But it's not even like fuck off. It's like, who the fuck do you think you are? Or like, I'm so exhausted yeah. of this bullshit. Um, yeah, I've got no fucks left to give. So Gloria Richardson, Richardson is a massive badass. But she, her daughter, Gloria Richardson's daughter, was a member of the SNCC, which is the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committees, right? So that's a that's a national committee that has chapter branches, right? So Cl- Gloria Richardson was part of the Cambridge Nonviolent Action Committee. Now, the thing that was so interesting about Gloria Richardson's leadership of the CNAC, the Cambridge Nonviolent Action Committee, was that none of them, including Richardson, would embrace 
the nonviolent um, commitment. So their protests were always really confrontational, were always incendiary. And she actually got told by Martin Luther King Jr. to step that shit down because it was too incendiary. And he was trying to make this activism a bit more palatable. And I get why, 100% I get why, but Gloria Richardson had no fucks left to give. She was like, I absolutely don't have time for this, pushing that rifle away and I'm gonna make that face, which every woman knows that face. Yeah. I make that face all the time. Are you fucking yeah. kidding me? <laughs> it's not, maybe it's not a rifle that's making me make no. that face, but every woman looks at that picture and is like, that's a woman who's on her last leg. You better be careful because she's absolutely ready. She's ready to go, yeah. you yeah. know? Anyway. Yeah. So it's a really powerful day today. I love John well, Lewis. It is hard to love political figureheads, but I love his story. I love how he represented for his people and, and just for the betterment of the United States of America. So today is just a really poignant day, and that's taken a really long time for me to say sorry. No, that was but, great. I, yeah. I had no idea. Um, yeah. I feel like I need to catch up on my reading. Mm. And... Um, I'm glad that we were able to record today. Yes. Super powerful day. Love, 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 love. Anyway, but you have been pushing, pushing. I've been so caught in my own cycle. But this is a really important conversation that you want to have, Jenny, and and I'm really excited to have it with you. Yeah, I'm not really sure how long this will go, and there isn't really a ton of research to back it up. Um, because it's just what I'm seeing out in the world. But we you can know, go anecdotal. Lisa Our last couple and have I, been anecdotal. Yeah. So Lisa and I have done a few burnout episodes and like with each one we've stated, we've just kind of mentioned how we see the people around us being so burnt out and, and we just feel it deep in our bones. And so just recently, well, there was a spattering of articles about the heavy load that's been thrust upon women in the pandemic and just in like this season in the world. There had been a spattering of articles, but lately there's been a ton of them talking about how unevenly yoked men and women have been, especially with the burden of care, the mental load, all the things. And so there's been a ton of articles out there about that. And at first I was a lot more happy to see them, but now like as I slowly made my way through the articles, I kind of noticed this thread that wasn't surprising. It was actually super fucking expected because it's just how things go. But in the storytelling, in the writing, in the articles, while they talk about this uneven load that's been placed on women, how women you know, are taking on the bulk of unpaid work, but then also juggling their jobs and then all the other multitude of things that women carry. This time with no break is really unevenly disrupting women's lives. Those that are in the workforce and those that are have had to leave the workforce are those who are, have typically not been in the workplace and have been in a more stay-at-home role. For every single woman, where you are in your path as a woman, like you are disproportionately affected by the burden of the current time. Yes. And so we know that there are articles about it, but they take this really, and I'm going to go extreme here just because that's why not, but also (laughs) like there's this sinister thread that runs through all of them. That's like, Hey lady, you got so much on your plate. We're so sorry, but it's also your fault. Mm. You're drinking too much. You're not organized. You are not prepared for homeschool, but this is your reality now. So you better fucking figure, you better become a teacher. Step up. Step up. It's all, it's all, step up. No excuses. Show up. Elevate yourself. Be a cheetah. (laughs) Um, What? What's the be a cheetah thing? 
Well, isn't that... Who's that? Cheetah. The Cheetah, um... Not Glennon Doyle. Oh, God. Yes, Glennon Doyle. I knew you were going to say her. She's so fucking problematic, Jenny. I'm cutting this I know this she out. is. I know she is. I, no, I can't. I know she fucking is. That's why I threw that in there. Oh, honey. I Watch your can't. face, girl. Like, all this... But oh, here's well, the thing. Rachel, here's the thing why it's in... Rachel, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> here's the thing. Here's why it's so problematic. You don't take... A person who's already heavy, heavy laden with this no. situation, and say yeah. we have a we have a term for that. It's called victim blaming, mm. and it's it is not our fault that this shit happened. It is not our fault that the patriarchal construct perfectly laid out the fruit for this bullshit. There was it. no path to victory for us. No, and I love the vision of someone from the patriarchy laying out fruit. <laughs> I just like, like gently like put, putting yeah. down a banana like in, the middle of an, in the middle of an empty ballroom. I've been walking away going, <laughs> I'm just going to leave this here. <laughs> Sorry. You know, and then, and, and so now that these articles are kind of proliferating the lands, the press landscape, the media landscape, I watched the Today Show. I probably should. Jenny. I know. No, but you know what? There's something comforting about it. Okay. I don't. Um, I'm not going to judge They're making they're, they, these different bits of these articles and different groups that are finger quotation marks geared towards helping women in this time are starting to get highlighted on like the morning shows and on the talk shows. And so I turn on, you know, my morning news show and they said they were going to have a couple groups on that were helping moms cope. And I was like, oh, awesome. Like, this will be great. Like, so this will be something else we can follow on Instagram for content and like you know i'm more than happy to use our platform to encourage and share groups that are going to help women you know like yes we all yes. need that i'm so excited and the thing that i saw with these groups one was a group to help moms stop drinking oh. one was a group to help moms be more organized as they get ready to go through the day because that's going to help them and the, there's nothing wrong with either one of those in and of itself but until we remove the foundational problems that exist in the world because of the patriarchy and because of the way that the corporate landscape is built for white men, white yes. straight men to succeed. Built by and by for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shut up. That's what I said. Go. Yeah. Go. Shut up. Yeah. So, <laughs> so until we... Until we address those issues, any of this fallout that is just a symptom of a larger problem, you're putting the guilt back on the people who are being neglected and abused by the system. And if yeah. mama wants to have a glass of wine, that's fine. Like, we don't need to be shaming women for drinking to get through this. All of this mom stuff that we're trying to shame women for as far as, like, drinking to get through it. Like, let a woman have a drink to get through it without shaming her. Mm. Let Don't tell me that I'm disorganized and that's why I wasn't prepared for my fucking house to become a one-room schoolhouse. Isn't the fucking... It's not Little House on the Prairie, girl. Exactly. It's not Little House on the Prairie. Like, I wasn't prepared <laughs> There's no I don't have a Nellie Olison down at the fucking yes, river bank. Exactly. Like <laughs> I wasn't ready for this. I don't have like slate boards and piles of chalk. Like I it is not this is not how it, no one was prepared for this. Yeah. And so to act as though it's a problem like of my weakness or my disorganization or something that I'm doing wrong. Yep. When like it's so so with the capitalist unfair. society that we have, you can, we cannot <sighs> most folks cannot exist on a single income. You know, you now can't. I've been forced. Genuinely but I've been, can't. But 
but we've been forced to leave the workforce yeah. because our jobs have been 86 or there's nowhere else to put the kids because nothing's open. Yeah. So there's there's so many more of these things. And like, and then you see like the religious posts, what they're doing to women right Jenny, now. Jenny, no. I'm like, it's just, no, no. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to preach know. again. I just, no, no. And it's but not I just, just preaching. It's just the fact that the simple fact is that the infrastructure that was in place to support a woman working is no longer in place. And what we're doing now is we're trying to take that woman and make her bear the load of that infrastructure that no longer exists. You don't know how to teach your kids. I mean, when you have three children like you have, and there's a lot of draw on your time, not to mention the other things that need to be done in the house. All that happens is this compounding interest of every day you get further and further behind. And you feel like you've accomplished... Say it to me. And there's no break because you don't get to leave your fucking house. It's like, yeah. I, there are days where I don't, there are weeks where I don't leave my house for days at a time. Then that's grim as fuck, by the way. We, you I need to leave the house, but can't, you can't. Yeah. There are days when you right. can't. It's right. too much. I remember right. that with having a baby, 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 where you're like, it's well, honestly too much work. And that was before yeah. COVID. That was before yeah. any of this crazy shit. You get days where it's just too much. That's a hormonal thing. That's mm-hmm. a that's where I am from an energy perspective because you didn't sleep at all during the night because yeah. someone woke up at two and four and six and you're fucking mm-hmm. exhausted because they don't yeah. want daddy, they want mama. Well, I kind of train my kids if they, okay. the older the girls if they wake me in the night that I'm like a screamy demi. Yeah, no, <laughs> fair enough. Screaming, but... but let's say that they don't come for mama, but they still come for someone. That wakes you well, up. It still wakes me up. Yeah, of course it wakes you up because so. your biological response as a woman is to wake up whenever there's any kind of a sound because you have children now and your Mm. body is ready to take care of children. You don't have the same situation I have. I have a half-deaf man. He has one ear that works and one ear that doesn't. And guess which ear he sleeps on? The good one, right? It's got to rest up for the next day of man things. It needs a good (laughs) sleep. So my son from a very young age has known that I'm the one that wakes up. And I'm not saying that Scott's not a good dad. He's a great dad, but he's a deep sleeper. I am not. And I I don't know if that's because I'm biologically not sleeping that deep or because I know that I'm going to have to wake up, you know? Uh And that's not random. That's not rare. I'm not speaking about something that only happens to me as a mom. No. There's a huge amount of unspoken responsibility that gets placed on a woman. We don't talk about it in our relationships, but we just know that mamas do this. Mamas take care of this stuff. When someone falls down, mama takes care of it. When someone is sad, when someone is hungry, mama, mama, mama. Mama's in the bathroom. Let's put our fingers under the door. You know what I mean? Where is mama? It's that whole thing. And when you add paid work into that, when you add side hustle into that, my God, the cortisol, it just goes through the roof because you're constantly stressed because you're trying to fulfill yourself and you're trying to fulfill these tiny humans that need you. But you need to fill yourself. You need to be there for you, but you have to be there for them. So what are some of the patriarchal... I totally agree with everything you said. It was very good. Yeah. Um, What are some of the patriarchal strongholds that are in place that have kind of led to this utter failure for women? This nurturing, The big one. Of of all the things that we have fought for to get ourselves like equal footing in the workplace. How shocking is it that all of the progress we've made. I know. 
that we thought we had made is just erased by one year. I of think shit. we I think we have made progress, but I think that this is this is systemic, institutionalized work. That yeah, has but the to gains that we made statistically in the corporate sector have oh. all but been erased. Oh no, the corporate sector were fucked on because we have No, but and that's what I'm saying. Like yeah, what yeah. what is in place? What what are the strongholds that like that we should be writing about, discussing, that we should be like shouting from the rooftops like this is this is in place and this is why women are failing to thrive. I can say one at a really foundational level. Men are not raised to nurture. Men are not raised to accept the fact that nurturing is not something that you're born with. It's something that you learn. Women have to learn how to nurture their children. All women have a massive amount of shock that happens when they have their first child. Because we're not ready for this level of commitment. No. This is and something then, of we course have you to feel, learn. Yeah, and then you would feel massive guilt because a lot of women don't connect with their baby immediately. Because it's a fucking minefield. Yeah. Oh, you want me? Like, maybe I'm 20, maybe I'm 25, maybe I'm 30, maybe I'm 35, maybe I'm 40. Because we can stretch those durations. It's absolutely fine and completely acceptable and totally safe and all of that. And by the way, can I just interject that all of that statistical information that came out about women being their most fertile at the age of 25 or whatever it was about women over the age of 30 being something like chemical warfare. That's taken from Victorian birth and death <laughs> statistics. That's of Victorian. It, is. it isn't modern, but it stays with us. It stays in the society, in, in the conversations we have as a society about when women should be pregnant and when women should bear oh children. Oh my gosh, okay? I was treated like an absolute leper when I was pregnant at Oh yeah, because, because you were a geriatric mother just as I was. But I really feel, and I'm sure you probably agree, I would not have wanted to have this level of commitment because it is extreme. Having a child is an extreme level of commitment, responsibility, yeah giving up of yourself that matrescence that thing that we never talk about and we are absolutely going to do an episode on matrescence which is that surrendering of the self that you used to be before you became a mother which very much like pubescence is a step into another evolution of self and we never talk about it side note um, if you've never heard of the term matrescence, yeah, because we're gonna talk it about it. It is coined by the anthropologist Dana Raphael. Love it. It is defined as the process of becoming a mother. It's yeah. a word used to describe the physical, Say psychological, physical and emotional again. changes people go through during the monumental transformation that is motherhood. Yep, and it's massive, and we try and treat it like it's this natural thing that you don't need training for, and you don't need to talk about, you just kind of do it, and every woman adapts to it naturally, and then you get women like me, who have a really hard time connecting with their children when they come, because me it too. is a massive mindfuck. Well, also, you had an incredibly terrible labor and medical yeah, yeah. experience, which... Um, and I had the same. It's another conversation for another I mean, day. no, but we are going to talk about maternity. We are going to talk about that stuff at some 100%. point. And you have a hard labor. I mean, it's it's part of it. But every labor is a hard labor. Whether you have a natural birth and you rip from your top like, to tail. If, if you go top to tail and you have a rip and you still have a natural birth and you got to do skin to skin right out of the birthing pool, you know, like you, you still could be two years down the road having a hard time doing a a we, you know, because mm. your bits are 
they're mangled. Or you could have a C-section and you could have completely destroyed your abdominal wall. And it takes you two to three years, maybe even four years. I mean, I'm three, nearly four years on, and my abdominal strength is not where it needs to be, so my back is totally messed up. Women go through this process of something that's supposed to be so natural, and we're supposed to, the, the idea is that because it's natural, because it's been happening to us for so long, we should be able to bounce back from this, you know, and it, yeah. it really isn't true, you know, if we go back historically, when we, when we evolved millions and millions of years ago, the penalty we paid for being upright human beings was that our pelvises became smaller, which means that the process of birth and giving life became dangerous and it became painful and it became very, very hard. Mm -hmm. But I digress. So you're saying that one of the foundational things... Apparently. (laughs) (laughs) So you're saying that one of the foundational things... Yeah. But that... It's foundational. If you raised boys into men who were prepared and were ready to accept the role of being one half of a nurturing couple instead of going my wife does that she's better at that it's natural for her she knows how to do it she knows how to put the baby to sleep she knows how to get the baby ready so the the macro view of that is just that people adhere to traditional sex rules 100 percent. it's gender roles so that's that the gender role so that is what is sending women home at a very macro level that is what's sending women home because in a traditional corporate structure when a woman has a baby and then her partner takes two weeks off potentially if he has that ability to do so and then comes back he says oh man i'm not very good at this kind of thing she's way better at that he doesn't say I'm really good at this. I could do this for another six months. You go back to work because I feel like I've got this. If you heard that, wouldn't you be like, wow, he is like one in a million. That man that takes that nurturing role on, who accepts that nurturing role in place of career-driven ambition. I do have to interject here that Alex has done that twice. Well, Alex is a great guy. I just see it wouldn't be fair if I didn't bring up the fact that he, he has done that. And that's amazing. But Jenny, that's super rare. No, no, I totally understand that. But the thing is, this is not just affecting women in in like a traditional cis-head, yeah, Yeah. two-partner relationship. Okay. This is also, but then it's also hitting women who are in single-parent households. And even in single-parent households, it's disproportionately affecting women, impacting women. But that's because women disproportionately are the single parent. I think it's something like 85 or 90% of women are the single parent in America, you know, and we so well, then also this is affecting, you know, that the pandemic is impacting those that are working in the service industry. Of course, Um, which is predominantly women. Right, 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 right. So, I mean, I guess that's not a sexy article to write, is it? traditional gender roles are are fucking killing us but but my point is traditional gender roles are killing women it's not sexy because men roll their eyes and go oh well you had your fucking bra burning we opened the door for you i guess you wanted to work the thing i just want to say is that if you are reading these articles if you are watching these segments on the news on tv i hope you watch better tv than i do because i'm just anyway 
So I just, I want you to know that it's not your fault. And like, if you need one or two glasses of wine a night just to get through this, have the glass of wine. Like, don't join the club that's going to make you feel bad about that. You don't need any more guilt. It's kind of like when I flew to you when you first had your baby. And I said, like, take every shortcut that you can. Oh, my God. That saved my life. I was so geared for, like, him my son having like the perfect childhood which meant nothing that made my life easier like no dummy slash pacifier whatever you want to call it no like sleep training like all of that stuff which was just i think the interesting thing about being a mother for the first time is you're so easily influenced by what you think is normal because you don't know what normal is every Mm -hmm. single mother wants to give their child an environment of normalcy. Obviously, there are are mothers who go, like, totally helicopter parent and are, like, my child be high-achieving, like, from day dot, and they're, like, two years old playing fucking Beethoven's whatever sonata, you know, going all crazy on it. But I think that pressure of not knowing what's normal and just feeling so frightened that you're not giving your child everything that that they need to have. And yet there isn't a reality-based checklist of what your child should be doing. So we never get taught how to be a parent. We never get taught how to be a mother. We never get taught the milestones that our children need to achieve. We have to seek Mm. that information out. I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, Jenny, because we were obviously raised in the same house, but I feel like as a parent, I was so lost. I genuinely didn't know what milestones I needed to be hitting. I genuinely didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. Mm. No, I agree. I agree with that. Okay. I was pretty lost myself. Yeah. Not to mention, I wasn't prepared for like the mental, you know, the postpartum depression and all that stuff and like the guilt of it and all those things. So don't you think like just talking about postpartum depression, don't you think it's like, the way that it's discussed postpartum depression is like, ooh, you might get this thing. Whereas I think pretty much almost every mom I've known that mm. just had a baby went through postpartum depression. Whether it was yeah. lasting, whether it, it took six months to clear up, two months to clear up, three years, four years to clear up. Mm-hmm. Every mom goes through these times of postpartum depression, and yet we treat it like it's something like you may catch it, you may not, you don't know if yeah. you're going to get it. And I well, think they we really have... need to normalize, like, you're all going to feel down about this. You're all going to feel mm-hmm. lost and confused, and you're also going to have that hormonal drop that is so it's such a huge characterization of that first year of having had a child where your hormones go fucking nuts especially Mm. if you have a hormone if you have a if you have a hormone you have a child later in life and you're kind of rushing the tide of perimenopause as well yeah man there's so much out there waiting for you that's just going to be like constantly going to be going up and down you're not going to be flatlining at all your hormones are going to be dictating you how you view the world every single day, no matter what you do, no matter how much exercise you do or how much sleep you get or how many organic vegetables you eat or how many smoothies you take in the morning, like energy pills, whatever, your hormones are going to dictate how how you view the world. Mm. It's just not normal in the sense of waking up loving everybody all the time. Well, yeah. And and then also just these like unfair expectations that are kind of pressed on, pushed onto you by society about like how to be, being this perfect mother, being this perfect Yeah. Don't you love woman, it? Woman, being polished, <laughs> but your body snapping back. 
snapping and getting, back and getting back to normal so quickly there in one of the mom's groups I'm a part of this woman said I, I had my baby 10 months ago and I'm still having hot flashes like when does this stop oh my god and, it's, and, the, and everyone in the comments was like you just had your baby it's hormones yeah there's nothing wrong with you maybe go talk to your doctor though if you're feeling like hormonally something's up but Hundred percent, totally normal, and like just to her language, I I felt bad for her just because her language was like I had the baby so long ago. Yeah, it's like no, babe, like your skeleton still isn't back to normal because it 100%. takes a year for your skeleton to return to normal. So, and I, and I know we're not jumping into this on this episode, but like the way that doctors treat women, especially postpartum women, mm. is they have one hand full of tranquilizers and they have one hand full of antidepressants. Yeah. So if you're not in physical pain and you are saying, I'm having a hard time, I'm struggling, they're going to whack you on those antidepressants faster than you can say, Jack Robinson, or whatever it is that you say in your spare time. I have no idea. And it's because that medicating of women makes us easier to deal with. It makes us more palatable, right? Oh, because I'm not, so not hysterical, right? Yeah. Don't get hysterical. Don't get angry. You need to be happy, you know, even if your happiness is coming from like an almost comatose zombie state because your body just can't function. So we put you on so many antidepressants that you kind of can't connect with who you are, mm -hmm. but you're not hurting the baby and you're not yep. hurting yourself. So I feel like that's a job well done, but that is definitely a conversation for another time. 100%. All of this to say, the thing that really, really, really resonated with me when I was watching these these things, and I had been hoping for, I don't know what I was hoping for, but I just really don't, it's not right to put the blame back on women when the things that are happening right now are not because women are doing anything wrong. Like, the pandemic isn't stretching on into oblivion because you had an extra glass of wine. Yeah. The, just the ridiculousness of this time is not because you are unorganized. Yeah, or because you didn't you don't teach your like kids Makaton when they were one year old. They're all right. That's Makaton. Okay, is that not a thing there? Fine. Sign language is sign language. You teach your kids sign language before oh. they speak so that they can no, speak people, to No, people do okay. that. Okay, okay. There was such a stress of, like, teach your kids all these words. Like, they should have this vocabulary before they're a year old so that they can communicate with the world before they're able to verbally communicate. And it was such a stress. Mm. Like... Oh my God, can't he just be a baby? I had mom <laughs> guilt before the baby, before before my first was even out. I remember we were sitting in this, like, the, one of those pe parent seminars. Yeah. And the, and the women, woman that was on the stage said, you know, I hope that you're reading Guild in Jesus. the Womb. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, and play I'm music. And play music. They, they say these things like play a playlist to your child yeah. every night. And when they're upset, when they come out of the womb, you play that playlist and they'll calm down. I can attest to you that that's bullshit, by the way, oh because God, when Rufus hears Ed Sheeran, he doesn't calm down. I think it makes him angrier. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I tried everything. Oh my God. I tried everything. Okay. I wanted it to be perfect. I know. It was crazy. Well, it was never going to be perfect. It's perfect the way it is. Perfect enough. So my... I feel like we've been all over the place today and I, I just really wanted to say that what you're the way you're getting through this is not wrong. If you get through this, 
15 pounds heavier, if you get through this, 30 pounds lighter, if you get through this, we're all gonna be scraped up, bruised and scarred when we get through this thing. And it's gonna take some time to recover from. And I, I don't know when it's, when things are gonna return to normal. I remember in the beginning when they said, well, it's gonna be a new normal. Or we're not gonna go back to normal. I know I'm finally coming around to that. It still annoys me, but. The new normal? Thing? I just, I just want, okay. well, yeah, you know, just whatever. But anyways, we're just gonna learn to live with it. This is our new normal. This is how everything's gonna be from now on. Yeah. Which I certainly hope not, because I would love to, to have a visit with you at some point. I'd love for us to. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to there. hold my nephew again. Held him last I February. I would like to hold my nice. nephew again. He's too big to hold. He's a beast. I work out every day. He's not holdable. He's too long. Anyway. <laughs> I will lock him down. <laughs> He'd love Give that. so many cases. <laughs> um, I just want to say, like, uh, if you are reading these articles, if they're making you feel bad or making you feel like you're less than or making you feel like you're failing in some way, just just scroll to the next because it's no. not your fault. Like, the entire world is in distress. Things are not returning to normal right now. And also, can I just say, you don't have to earn the right to rest. You don't have to earn the right to relax and take time out for yourself. Bingo, bango. And yeah, so if you, if any of you are in Texas, we hope that you are safe and warm and have everything you need, but we will be posting um, some organizations on our link tree to, that can help you. Yes. And then for those of you who are not there and who are in places with infrastructures that can actually support their citizens, maybe think about kicking a couple bucks over there because folks in Texas are, they're already stretched, their resources are already stretched thin and now I can't even imagine the losses they've had there. So Absolutely. Um, so so in particular, we'll, uh, we'll share the contacts for Relief Gang who are on the ground in Texas and are doing amazing work and also um, a couple other organizations that we know of that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is working with as well and you can contribute to them and also Beta O'Rourke. So there's a lot of different things, um, a lot of different donation centers for Texas that we will share in the yes. link tree that Jenny so beautifully crafted on our Instagram, and we will also share Quentin Quarantino's Planned Parenthood Rush Limbaugh Memorial Fundraiser, which has raised over a million dollars for Planned Parenthood, which as we all know, is one of the main providers of reproductive health care to low-income families and to single mothers who are make up the majority of low-income families across the United States. So it's a, it's a really big deal. We'll share those links. Um, hopefully you can donate if you can't. I know that specifically in Texas, there are phone banks that you can work with for elderly people to make sure that they have someone to speak to if they are in um, distress or just need company. Mm. So there's that as well. So if you can't donate money, perhaps you can donate time. And if you can't do that, at, at the very least, just share the information on your page and that will get the word out and just spread it that little bit further. So it, it all works and it's all so welcome. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And okay. so we got some fun stuff in the pipeline. I'm working on a website and um, we're going to, you know, Lisa, Lisa's going to share a post on how you can kind of help us. If you know of anyone that could benefit from our podcast, please share it because we 
we'd love to keep this thing going and we, we got to keep our our numbers up to keep this thing going and um there's a new way to kind of work with the algorithm on instagram yes. is going to share a, a post about that and so long story short the algorithm has changed again on instagram yay so bookmarking and comments are the biggest thing that you can do in order to bump us which means that more people can see us and jenny sleep at the wheel not for the first time might i add <laughs> but bookmarking which is not something that jenny i mean you've said it as well like it's not something you normally do but now all of a sudden it has a new precedence in this algorithm this algorithm evolution for instagram so reposting things so sharing information onto your page from our page or from our stories onto your stories that's huge commenting is a really big deal that all of that interaction um, feeds into the algorithm, which means that more people are able to see us when they're just scrolling through on Instagram, which is really what we want to do. We just want to help people. We want to bring people into the conversation, each conversation that we're having and the greater conversation just about equity, equality in the workplace, but also in the, in the wider world. So hopefully you can share what we're doing. We would love it so much if you shared something that you liked that we, that we've put on our page or some little snippet that we've we've added onto our stories we love that when you share it so please 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 do that yeah. so thanks we we appreciate all the support and we just ask that you continue that support and all of that just wishing you a restful wonderful week and wish you love light and good night good night